0: This is your nightly roundup of sports, stories of adaptability, and stories that should be trending but quite frankly aren't. Here's your host, Alex Garrett.
1: Well, welcome back to Alex Garrett Podcasting, and this is a vlog edition as well, because when David Allen Arnold is on, the visual of him wearing that Indiana Jones kind of hat is uh is worth videographing so thanks for always running me by Zoom and whatnot there David
0: awesome It's always great to talk to you.
1: You are airborne camera on Instagram, and because of that, you've got a lot of gigs coming up firstly, how's the cinematography been since we last talked
0: you know i'm I'm busier than ever um, it's a great time to be alive. There is so much happening. With uh, internet, social media, traditional television, movies—it's um, awesome. Last last year was one of my busiest years ever.
1: Well, I know that uh, you know you're in L.A., you're in California, and I don't know if you got those stunning visuals of the fireworks going off all over L.A., but uh, I saw that on your social media
0: for sure. Yeah, um, it is a um, very busy time of year at the moment. Um, I'm going to be filming another, uh, Boston marathon. So if anyone, well, let's
1: talk about that for a minute. Tell me about that. So how many have you filmed and, and did you film the tragedy of 2013 or were you not on that, that one particularly?
0: No, I started filming Boston marathons, uh, I think two years after the bombing
1: okay.
0: and, um, it was uh, kind of shocking to see, uh, an entire city come out to uh, mm-hmm. participate in the marathon. Um, I've done many Los Angeles marathons, and we okay. get a little bit of a crowd, but it's nothing like Boston. Boston, the the streets are lined with a million people. And Have you ever gotten uh, the chance
1: to do a New York City marathon? What's that? Have you ever gotten the chance to do a New York City marathon? I
0: haven't. What What's that like?
1: Oh my gosh! Well, they line up all the different boroughs and it's just fun and you have the helicopters overhead it's great but congrats on getting the boston uh, marathon it's a huge deal every year up in boston and and to videographer must have a feeling as a west coaster also what's it like filming on the east coast something of that magnitude
0: it's just the energy of it so for people who haven't seen this uh, on television the marathons they put cameras in front of the lead runners. So I'm in a pickup truck and I have a gyro stabilized camera system and I am uh, rolling in front of the lead female runners and for 26 miles. Wow. And like I said, the Boston marathon is unique uh, because so many people come out just thousands and thousands and thousands. I think they get about a million people that come out and line the streets. And so we're with the lead runners uh, and we're rolling in our pickup truck. And on either side of the road, there's just thousands of people screaming their heads off <laughs> to well, cheer on I you. Well, I think
1: you must have been in a year because an American woman won that won one of the years of, of racing, didn't she? Mm-hmm. So you filmed her winning that race. Yep. That's pretty amazing. And th- it was one of the first Americans in quite a while, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, it was a big deal. Uh,
1: and I'm trying to remember her name. I'll, I'll figure that out uh, eventually. But it was uh, it was a great accomplishment for her.
0: Yeah, so, um, it, it's a uh, it's an incredible thing to witness, to to watch runners push themselves for 26 miles. There's so much strategy involved. Um And, you know, the world of running, they watch these events and it's just such a big deal for, for anyone to compete at that level. And what it takes to win a race like that is, uh, it's a, it's incredible thing to to witness.
1: Well, let's talk about then the, um, you know, have you ever done the aerial of it or mainly just in front of the runners type of?
0: No, I'm I'm always in a, always in a pickup truck. With a big gyro-stabilized telescopic lens.
1: That's so cool.
0: And it's interesting because um, the truck is equipped with sound equipment. Uh, We usually have a reporter or reporters on board. And so that's kind of neat for me because I'm not, I don't come from the world of running. You know, I'm just a cameraman. So I get to listen to the commentators who in in the Boston Marathon, I have two reporters, one on either side of me in the truck. And so they're timing the runners, how fast their miles are, uh, what's happening with the strategy within the race. Sometimes the runners will team up to try and push the pace um, as a strategy to win. And, and so to hear them talking about the nuts and bolts of the strategy and how fast or slow they're running is re- really neat to, to witness all that and to get to hear the, the story behind this, this crazy
1: What's the security? What's the security like even as a videographer? Because you know the runners have to put their stuff in plastic bags and it gets really crazy. Is there a much security protocol for you guys or have they eased off now years later?
0: Oh, not at all. No, the, the security at the Boston Marathon is intense and, uh, there's many levels of it, all kinds of government agencies coming out and, uh, make sure that nothing bad happens at the race. And, um, it's really impressive. So, so we were watching today, the Boston Marathon is going to be on Monday. And today we were watching a lot of the security stuff that's already being done.
1: Wow. So the security has not lined up at all. Okay. I think that's a good thing. But also, these runners, I know they just want to run, you know? So it's a, a catch 22 for them if they want to go under undergo all that. But um, did they ever run past Fenway Park? Because I, I don't know if you know this, but Fenway has a game at 11 a.m. It's Patriots Day up there in Boston, also. So they have the 11 a.m. game. And I don't know. I've never, at, at, you know, interviewed anybody about this. Do they run past Fenway as the game is going on?
0: I'll have to look at the map and see how close they get to the stadium. Um, I don't recall seeing it as, as we're making our our way in from Hopkinton 26 miles into downtown Boston.
1: Well, I'm sure downtown gets crazy and, and uh, all the cheering and everything. And with all those sound effects, you probably pick up everything uh, down that finish line there.
0: It's really amazing. Um, There is uh, a college that we, we go past, so all the girls come out from the college and are cheering on the runners. Uh, it's an incredible energy and uh, I'll try and do some recordings. I can post some stuff on Instagram and stuff. So people w- would can love see that.
1: By the way, you got to follow here. David Allen like, on Instagram because he posts some of the best stuff. Are you still a conservative? I have to ask you that because I feel like you're, you're a big voice for the conservative movement here.
0: Uh, you know, I could be, I guess. Um, I kind of think I'm, I'm more like, I'm just not very political, and so I kind of have a zero tolerance for political BS. And I I approach politics with a great sense of humor. So
1: I see that too. I I love some of the stuff you post on that. Um, Yeah. Okay. And I got to ask you about above the clouds. How's the How's that book? Has it evolved into something more? Did you do an audio book for it? Like, what? How is your How are your books coming along? Because you're an author also. Mm -hmm.
0: Books are coming along. Uh, What Lies Above the the Clouds is my second book, and I did do an audio book for it. And and I think it's shocking to a lot of people because it's a true crime book, and it's the reason that I'm writing books. It's the reason uh, that I'm on social media is because of crimes that I witnessed at a school bus stop. And um, for years, I fought to get the authorities to clean it up and make the kids safe, and they wouldn't do it. And so one of my only, uh, tools that I had after that was to make the story public. And so I wrote the book, what lies above the clouds. And I think to begin with, it's just very shocking to people. People read the yeah. stories in the book and they usually ask me, is this a, is this real or is this a novel? And, um, and it's I think so that's- real, the- You've
1: gotten death threats for it, haven't you? Oh yeah.
0: It, it's, um, it is uh, a shocking look at organized crime and political corruption and things that should never, ever be allowed to happen at a school bus stop. Mm. So if, if your listeners want to check it out, I highly recommend it. Uh, my books are endorsed, are endorsed by uh, Hollywood TV producers, uh, creators of The Deadliest Catch, um, and uh, one of the co-authors of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Wow, um, and what lies above the clouds really lays open the scene of organized crime at a school bus stop and what's that what that is like day to day
1: but tell uh, us why that impacted you because it wasn't at your son's school bus stop or was that another one just in the community
0: no he he wasn't in school he was too young at the time okay um, but it's in our neighborhood and um that was the problem that i had it was uh a very corrupt, very, very dangerous situation. Um, There was uh, at one point in time, there was an illegal business at the school bus stop. And at one point in time, there was uh, a guy on the most wanted list who was at the school bus stop. And I could not get police to come in and clean it up and shut down the illegal business and make the kids safe. And so my conundrum was uh, I understood that these were dangerous people and that they were making a lot of money illegally and they didn't want to stop their illegal business. And I understood that all the greedy uh, players in the community wanted a piece of the action. They didn't care about making the kids safe. They just wanted to keep making money. And so everyone had to choose what, what was right and wrong and what they were willing to tolerate. And I just wound up in a situation where, I needed to make the town safe for my son and for the other kids at the school bus stop. Children have a right to be able to stand at a gathering place like a school bus stop and not be exposed to criminal activity. That's like Baby, a basic.
1: I know you're very public about your fight to have your son in your life. And uh, how has that been? How are you two doing? And, and it must be it seems like things are going well for you guys.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love my little one. Love spending time with them. And there have been efforts over the years to take them away from me. And that never should have happened. Um, and I think in the end, it's going to work out really well.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to other ventures, because after you are done the Boston Marathon, the new season of De- Deadliest Catch, who endorses what lies above the clouds, is airing on Tuesday night. So it's a big week for you, David.
0: It is. So, Boston Marathon will be live on Monday with the lead. What channel, by the way? Uh, That's CBS. So, in, um, I know here in Boston it's on WBZ.
1: Okay, WBZ, yes.
0: And, I'm sure it's on the internet. I don't know exactly where people can watch it, but I think if you Google it, you probably can see some different places you can watch it. Um, And so we'll do that live. And then on Tuesday is the season premiere of my 18th year of Deadliest Catch.
1: Amazing. How was that season? Was there any crazy stories you could sort of leak or or tell me before it airs or is there embargo? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I can tell you. Well, I can't can't talk about stories that are in the show until they've aired. But behind the
1: scenes, um, what then?
0: Yeah, but I I can tell you that um, I'm always amazed, uh, being the helicopter cameraman of Deadliest Catch, at what goes on up there. It's just an incredible, dangerous Uh way to make a living. And uh, it's such an awesome spectacle every year to see these men go out in these boats Uh and, uh, you know, take big risks to make good money. And, uh, you know, fishing in the Bering Sea for Alaskan crab. And this season is, is extraordinary because on top of everything else, they're having trouble with getting permission to catch the crab. Oh. Uh, that's all regulated and controlled. And so the quotas have gone down. Um, and so that's, that's one of many things that the fishermen are having to struggle with this year. So I, I think this season of deadliest Catch is going to be an amazing thing to watch.
1: Well, any knowledge of deadliest catch, you want to tune into that. I've never asked you this. Have you ever witnessed an amputation that needed to happen because of the dangers, or or not really?
0: Um, I think I think everyone who fishes in Alaska for crab, uh, I think they've all been touched by the danger, or they've lost friends or family members uh, to accidents and storms and boats capsizing and sinking. Mm. And it's, it's just a, it's a very heroic environment. It's a very tough fishery, um, physically just draining and demanding. Huh. And then the Bering Sea is always trying to kill them and sink their boat. Uh, and that water is freezing. So if you just fall into that water, uh, you may not survive for more than a minute. Because
1: I'm As a videographer, lost. do you feel the stress that they do in a sense? Because you're watching this unfold through a different lens?
0: I certainly do. Yeah. I definitely worry about the fishermen who I know who are going out on the boats. Um, it's a dangerous place to meet for me to fly in a helicopter. And, uh, so it's just a dangerous environment to be in. And, um, and it's, it's awesome. You know, things, things like that, when, when nature has that much power to kill you, uh, Mm -hmm. it makes you feel humble and small and it makes you appreciate things.
1: All right. I don't want to put you on the spot about the producers but i have to believe that they kind of like when things get rough because that's the whole point of the show isn't it like if something maybe they don't want them to be harmed but it boosts the ratings no
0: um i think that the producers over the years they created a show about these amazing fishermen who fish in a really dangerous place and it's just something that never gets old um Deadliest Catch is very, very respected in the world of reality television. It's uh, it's just one of those shows where they don't have to script and fake things because it's just it's just flat out dangerous, and it's it's a thrilling adventure for these guys to enter a dangerous realm and try and catch those crabs. And the crabs are so are worth so much money that sure. you know anyone without a college degree can go up there and just work their butt off. And face all those dangers, and and can make a big paycheck. And so it's it's a it's almost like um, like digging for gold. You know, it's it's a it's something that everyone can relate to: the struggle to earn a living, the chance to make that much money, but also to have to endure the dangers to get it. And uh, and so. You know, they don't really have to, in a sense, they don't really have to put on a show. They're, they're basically just there to film what happens.
1: If you know David Allen, I I'm like, I do. I only met you once, but I feel like I know you through our last few years here. You love adventure. So I feel like filming an adventure like Deadly's Catch is literally right up your alley.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, an amazing thing to be a part of. I'm very proud to have been flying for Deadly's Catch for 18 years and... Um,
1: is that around its inception, or is it, have you joined, did you join a couple of years into production?
0: No, I, I started season one of the show, wow. eighteen years ago, and uh, I'm one of the only people on the crew to have worked on every season for eighteen years.
1: And your Emmy award for that? Didn't you get an Emmy yeah. for that?
0: Yep, Very yeah, cool. we've won we've won a lot of Emmy awards over the years for that show, and uh, it's just an awesome thing to be a part of, um, and. Anywhere I go, I can I can tell people that I fly for Monday Night Football, or for the World Series, or for the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and they like to hear about that. But when I tell people that I fly for a TV show called The Catch, they always just get wide eyed and they always have questions and what's it like out there. And is it really as dangerous as they make it look on TV and people are, people are just generally awestruck by how these fishermen work in such a dangerous place to make all that money. And people are just fascinated by it. And they, they really respect, I, I think that's really what it is. They respect that. These are blue collar guys. They're going out, they're taking big risks to make a lot of money. And uh, everyone just loves that concept and the fact that in a world of risk management and lawyers and 48-page contracts and liability, uh, people just love that there's guys out there adventuring, going to a dangerous place and seeking this huge reward that can pay for their living and their families. And, and it's just just something that people universally love. And so I, I love to be a part of that show.
1: Well, I'm a sports guy. So anytime you fly over, you know, any, any Monday night football, I, I am there. And by the way, you run contests, if I'm not mistaken, for those who spot you on Monday night football, right? Is that going to happen oh, again good. this year? You run contests at times too. Like if they, oh, yeah. if they tag you on Instagram, you give them a signed copy of the book, I believe.
0: Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. I, I love, uh, like we were talking about politics. I just love humor. I love funny things. So one of my favorite things to do is to do a caption contest. I just put a funny picture up or a video and I let people write their captions in and whoever really makes me laugh, I send them a signed copy of my book.
1: All right. We talked about this last time, but how has pandemic affected the production of all these different things you do? And are things getting back to normal in the videography production world that, that you're in
0: um, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of things are getting very much back to normal um, and I think that people are sort of experiencing that the corona lock coronavirus lockdown was really much more political than medical, and that's why so many of the rules didn't make sense for two years. That's why um, so many of the mandates, things that people were required to do to either go to work or go watch a football game or whatever it is. I mean, New York was in the news because the basketball players weren't allowed to go and play basketball unless they were vaccinated. But then they could go in and watch the game anyways without being vaccinated And it just, none of it made sense. And it it just seemed like goofy government politics more, more so than a life and death uh, medical issue. Uh, And so I think a lot of things are getting back to normal as they should. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of, I think some of the cities and States may never be the same really. I mean, I, I think millions of people are leaving New York and California uh, because of the crazy lockdowns that just went on for so long and in, oh. not, a, not in a meaningful way, not in a way that made sense to people.
1: All right. I got to ask you this because I know your fans are probably wondering. You have a crazy filming schedule, crazy travel schedule, but when you are home, what's your home life like? I don't think I've ever I've ever asked you that, but what's your home Why? life like?
0: My home life is is just incredibly simple and quiet. Um, I live in a very beautiful place on a mountain above L.A. And so when I'm not in a helicopter or airplane flying for a TV show with all of the crazy sights and sounds and adventures and noise of all of that, I just want to be at home at my place in the mountains. And,
1: um, and we've done a podcast and vlog with you in that place, if I'm not mistaken. So I've seen you at home. And it's a nice little dig you got there. It's a nice nice little home.
0: Thank you. Um, I try to show it whenever I can on Instagram or TikTok. And uh, lately, a lot of that stuff's been getting a lot of views. People are kind of fascinated by it. Um, I live in a cloud forest on a mountain above L.A. Wow. It's just my happy place. It's so beautiful and peaceful. And uh, it's just 90 minutes from downtown L.A., but it's a cloud forest. So it's just a very peaceful, mystical uh, place. Uh, I absolutely love it there. And uh, and that's- I feel like you're always
1: in the air though. If, if this is so high up above LA, it seems like you're still in the air somewhat.
0: It is. It's the road to my house in the mountains above LA is, it's like a Jack and the Beanstalk adventure. You drive huh. through the clouds. So you come up from the city of Los Angeles, you drive up, you get- into the clouds. So you're driving in the fog, you come out of the clouds and now you're on top of the clouds. And then sometimes my house is a a thousand or 2000 or 3000 feet above the clouds. So you get to my house and you look way down below and you can see the tops of the clouds.
1: All right. Um, I feel like people, and including myself, feel like you're a very mystical figure sometimes. So Do these interviews make people realize, oh, he's a human. He's not just flying all over the place. He actually has a life. He actually is a person. He's not just some mystical creature flying all over the place, giving us great content.
0: Oh, that's a great question. Because uh, when I started writing the books because of the crimes that were happening at the school bus stop, I decided to mostly make the books just stories of my life, including the school bus stop. And as I started to write the stories, I thought, well, if I'm honest about a lot of my adventures, it's, you know, I have problems sometimes just because I do stupid things. And so I said, (laughs) yeah, sure. So, so for example, um, uh, one example is I went uh, to, to film in a helicopter for a cell phone commercial in Peru and there were many things that happened on the commercial that caused the production crew of the commercial to get arrested and put in jail. And I should have known better than to be a part of any of that. There were so many opportunities. I could have pulled the plug and put a stop to to me being involved in it. And I was just too dumb to really think of any of that. So, so I waltzed right into a really, really crazy, dangerous situation. You were arrested in Peru. I was detained um, and didn't go to jail but I could have spent the rest of my life in jail in Peru just because I had, I really hadn't done anything to help myself get out of trouble. And uh, so in in my book, I admit to all of that. I mean, it's because it's kind of funny just to see how many stupid things I did. And, um, and as a result of my own choices, I wound up uh, basically in a country where I didn't speak the language. Um, We had been on the front page of the Peruvian newspaper as uh, having destroyed the ancient ruins of Peru with a helicopter. And it's, it would almost be like if you opened up the New York times and it says uh, uh, filmmakers from France uh, destroyed flew over and knocked the top off the empire state building or something. You know? And well, right, uh,
1: those ruins are very, very special in, in Peru. So.
0: Well, one I- of, one of the ruins is the symbol of Peru. Mm-hmm. And they said that in the newspaper, the national newspaper of Peru said that we destroyed the ruins. And uh, and literally it was just it was just a bunch of nonsense of mostly with political corruption and stuff that was going on. And I just was too dumb to to know how to get myself out of out of harm's way and out of there. And so I managed to escape Peru and I had help to, to get out of the country. And as I started to write those stories, originally, the books were entitled Worth Fighting For because they're primarily, to begin with, the books are about the school bus stop and getting the criminals out of there. And uh, as I wrote stories like the Peruvian story, my friend who was helping me read and edit the book, he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you need to call your book Help From Above. So I said, oh, okay. So, so that's how the help from above series came to be. I said, okay, so I changed the title. And because you uh,
1: believe in God, don't you? I know that He's part of your life too.
0: Oh yeah, I, I've definitely been helped uh, by someone, I, by a higher power, someone I can't see. You know, there's no reason I should have gotten out of Peru. I did everything wrong, and huh. yet I was very much helped. Uh, and I've always felt helped and guided and protected and blessed. Even though I time and again wander into very dangerous situations, I mean the situation at the school bus stop was something that that none of my neighbors would do anything about. Uh, once they realized how dangerous these guys were, they didn't want anything to do with it. They weren't they weren't going to go protest or uh, give a speech at city hall to get these guys out of there. They were just afraid of the bad guys, and oh. uh, and so for me to to fight with them. Uh, for five years to get them out of the school bus stop and away from the kids uh, was something that none of my neighbors would do. They're just too smart for that.
1: And, and you uh, survived, but you survived. I've been stubborn, but you survived. Hang, hang on, um, so let's uh, l- let's cover this because I feel like talking about the NFL draft pales in comparison to what you just described. You under you underwent. So let me shift the conversation a little bit. Um, those who find themselves in trouble and can survive it like you have time and time again, what's your message? And to those who want to adapt and learn from their mistakes, what's your message to that too?
0: Um, I'm I'm a big believer that you shouldn't live in fear. I believe that if you are afraid of something like a criminal gang at the school bus stop, I believe that you shouldn't live in fear. I think you should live your life and I think you should take a step um, whatever that means to protect yourself. Uh, I pray every day. I definitely believe that I need help from above to get through my life. And so Uh I always need help to handle challenges or to know the right thing to do or to just, you know, escape a dangerous situation. Um, but I, I believe that I believe you shouldn't live in fear.
1: All right. Now back to the NFL draft really quickly, because you are covering that at the end of the month, you're busy man this month. I'll tell you. Um, it's going to be indoors or is it outdoors and how are you covering it? Because obviously if it's indoors, what what angles are they looking for? And uh, tell us where it's at this year.
0: I haven't heard the details. Uh, I will be flying in a helicopter in Vegas, Las Vegas over the NFL draft. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how, how it all is is staged. Only
1: 21 Um, players right now have committed to go, which is kind of astounding to be honest.
0: I think it's interesting. Um, you know uh you mentioned social media uh i'm starting to come across nfl players on social media and of course i follow them and uh one of them followed me back oh. on uh tiktok and instagram and uh and he's a free agent this year and so I'm I'm really curious to see how it shakes out and like what deals get made. I think it's kind of neat.
1: unlike uh, the guy in Vegas now. David Carr just got locked up for quite a few years with the the Raiders.
0: And let me while
1: I'm while I got you here, let me just say this: David shot the final game for the Raiders at Oakland Coliseum before they moved to Vegas. So you've got that under your belt as well, there,
0: David did and we we were one of the only cameras at the end of the game that was still working because um people probably don't know this but uh they were afraid that the Raiders fans were going to tear the place down and riot after the game because the team's leaving so uh Monday Night Football pulled all the cameras back and took them off the field because they were afraid it would be a very violent scene so um so my camera was one of the only cameras because I'm in a helicopter I'm not I don't have to pull back anywhere. I'm just flying over the place, and so we we had one of the only shots of the stadium after the game <laughs> because all the other cameras but had been shut down. And but they taken didn't storm
1: this. the field that I had seen. I mean, they didn't really storm the field or anything.
0: No, Um I think at at any big sporting event, uh there's a lot of security. They prepare for riots and things, but especially in Oakland. Uh, they uh, yeah, were yeah, that's true. <laughs> the authorities were on guard and they were keenly aware that it, it could be a riot at the end of their last game at, at the stadium you know
1: david thank you so much for coming on alex garrett knightley and and do let's do this again maybe do a recap of your adventures in boston and, and what was on tv and and of course the draft Let, let's reconnect in may
0: uh, I would love that. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, I follow you on social media. I love following your adventures and seeing what's happening in New York. I've been
1: traveling. Also- I went to LA and Bay and uh, Texas. So I've been out oh, there. Good, good for so you. It's been fun.
0: Yeah. I, I, next time we talk, I want to hear more of your stories.
1: Well, we will, but this was the David Allen time because I haven't been caught up with you for a bit. So thanks for joining me tonight on Alex. God God bless Night, you. With-
0: Thank you for having me. You. It's an honor to talk to you and your, and your audience.
1: All right. Talk to you guys. Talk to you soon. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting and, uh, you know, bringing you the people that should be trending in the world today. And David Allen -Allen is, is definitely one of them.